Welcome to the LDS Military Members Podcast. This podcast was created for military members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, their families, and those who support them. We welcome all who want to drop in for a listen, and we hope you enjoy the stories, advice, helps, and tips that this community offers. Hello, and welcome to the LDS Military Members Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3, so we're cooking a little bit. We had a couple great episodes with uh, family counseling and... The um, last episode, which was really good about getting out and volunteering, soldier family readiness group. So a lot of good information. This one, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And I found something that's very interesting. So you guys get to listen to me. I hope that's okay. If not, then you need to send me a message at lds.militarymembers at gmail.com and come on the show and share your wonderful knowledge or your experiences in the military or in the church. So today, one thing I, I, I stumbled on something, so I started doing some research on it, and it was very interesting. It has to do with naval ships. Now, I, I was Air Force, so I'm not completely familiar with, with the Navy and what's the difference between a ship, a boat, uh, whatever it is. So I'm just going to say naval ships. I hope I get it right. Um, so everybody who's in the Navy, send me a message, make, give me some comments and, and kind of clarify some of this stuff. But what I was looking for, what I came across is back in 19, the 1940s, it actually started in 1941, there were these things referred to as liberty ships. Now, they weren't Navy per se, but they were to replace a lot of the ships that were going um, going down uh, by attacks, German attacks, or you know, pre pre uh, United States entering the war, they, there was all these cargo ships that were were being sunk and being lost, and so the British got with the United States, and they developed a program. And started building these Liberty ships. So they were cargo ships built in the United States during World War II under the Emergency Shipbuilding Program. And what is incredible is that these ships were mass produced in such numbers that between 41 and 45, they averaged three ships every two days between all the shipyards that were building this design. So in total, just these specific ships, uh, there was over 2,700 Liberty ships built during these years. And this shipbuilding program that began with the partnership between the U.S. and the U.K., it not only delivered an unprecedented number of ships, but also um, this is the time when women and minorities entered in to the shipyards to help construct these ships. So they were built by pretty much everybody had their hand in it. So under the emergency shipbuilding program, over 5,500 ships of different types were built um, over the years. So for Liberty ships specifically, any group um, that raised war bonds worth $2 million could propose a name. So they could, they could offer a name up for the ships. And this is the thing that I stumbled on that I thought was very interesting. And among, so among these Liberty ships, uh, of course, there were two specific ships that I want to mention today. And that was the SS Joseph Smith 
and the SS Brigham Young. Now, I couldn't find a whole lot on the SS Joseph Smith. I'm sure there's information out there. I did find a picture of it, but I didn't really find a lot of information on on its history. Um, it, it was launched in 1943, and it was scuttled in the Atlantic in 1944. So the SS Joseph Smith didn't stick around for very long. But the SS Brigham Young, there's a little bit more history. So it, um, the SS Brigham Young, uh, was launched August of 1942 as a Liberty ship. It was built in California, and it was sponsored by Albert E. Bowen, who happened to be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Later on, the USS Brigham Young was actually acquired by the Navy in, in 1943. And when the Navy acquired it, um, they renamed it the USS Murzim, M-U-R-Z-I-M. Uh, apparently, it's a constellation, Murzim. So if you're familiar with it, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. But the SS, or the USS Brigham Young now, since it was a, a officially a naval ship, its main use was delivering troops and equipment in the Asiatic Pacific Theater. And while the SS Brigham Young, or the USS Merzum, had a successful military career, uh, she was decommissioned at Pearl Harbor in 1946. Um, and years later, in 1973, she was finally sold for $168,000 and scrapped. Uh, she did receive a battle star for World War II service. So those are the two Liberty ships that kind of prompted this, uh, ships that were connected to leaders of the church. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, aside from the Liberty ships, there's been a whole bunch of ships uh, that have been tied to members of the church or people or pe have ties to Utah. I just centered it around Utah and members of the church because um, there's so many um, ships that it would have taken me forever. So, But some of the ones I want to mention, um, they said there's there's been numerous naval vessels with ties to LDS people. And a list can be found if you really want to look it up. You go to Utah History Encyclopedia. You can find it online, and you can look up all these different um, ships and a brief history about them. Now, these ships that we're going to talk about, these are all official Navy ships, and they follow a different set of rules of, for naming. It's not just people who raise enough money can name them. And while I don't know all the rules because it looks like they've changed over time, I do know that geographical locations and distinguished people are used a lot. And among the famous Utahns, um, some highlights are Mervyn S. Benyon with the USS Benyon. It was a Fletcher class destroyer. And Captain Mervyn S. Benyon, he was actually killed in action during the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. He was born in Vernon, Utah in 1887, and he fought in both world wars. And he was awarded the Purple Heart and the Medal of Honor. Now, the USS Benyon, it received 10 battle stars for service during World War II. And its most memorable action was during the Battle of 
um, Surigao Strait, S-U-R-I-G-A-O, Surigao Strait, in October 1944, where she uh, sank the Japanese battleship Yamashiro. The, another notable was the uh, with Melvin R. Nauman with the USS Nauman. It was a John C. Butler class destroyer escort. Uh, Nauman, he was a University of Utah graduate. Uh, graduate. He received his wings as a second lieutenant, and he died fighting for control of Guadalcanal, attempting to stop the Tokyo Express. And his gallantry was recognized through a posthumously awarded air medal. And the USS Melvin Nauman saw service in both World War II and the Korean War, serving in the Pacific. And it received four battle stars for her service. Uh, rounding out the top three is Lyman K. Swenson with the USS Swenson, a Sumner-class destroyer. Uh, Swenson was born in Pleasant Grove, Utah in 1892 and died while serving as captain in the United States Navy during the Battle of Guadalcanal. His actions helped prevent the Japanese from landing reinforcements on Guadalcanal, and he received the Navy Cross. The USS Swenson served in the Pacific, uh, surviving a hurricane and enemy attacks during World War II. Uh, she then served during the Korean conflict and even into Vietnam. She was de decommissioned in 1971, and she received five battle stars for World War II and six battle stars for her service in Korea. Some of the other vessels linked to Utah. Um, there's a whole bunch of them, so the list is really long. But some of note, since I grew up in Utah, I just like seeing the names because they look familiar. Uh, there's the USS Bryce Canyon, which... Uh, most of everybody knows that Bryce Canyon is a national park as well. Uh, the, the Daggett County, Escalante River, and USS Escalante. Uh, USS Green River, There's actually there was actually two of those. Uh, Iron County, Kane County, Millard County, Morgan County, all received uh, vessels named after them. The USS Navajo, Ogden, Paiute, Provo. Uh, USS Provo Victory, USS Richfield, uh, for some of my relatives living down in this area, the, the USS Santa Quinn, uh, USS Sevier, Summer County. It, so I grew up in Utah. I don't know if it's Sevier or Seaver County, but I'm going to, you know, I'll say both. Um, shout out to our friends who just bought a home in, in the, there was a USS Tooele. Um, so Ruger and Alexis, that one's for you. The USS Utah, the USS Ute, and USS Wasatch. So there's quite a few for geographical, named after counties, cities, um, places all over the state of Utah. And the one that I wanted to end with, um, because it's has a really great story, and of course, everyone should know that there was a USS Salt Lake City, um, of course, right? Biggest city in the state. So USS Salt Lake City is a Pensacola-class cruiser. And the USS Salt Lake City collected a total of 11 battle stars for service in World War II, as well as 
receiving a Navy unit commendation. So the USS Salt Lake traveled the world. It even slipped through the Panama Canal when the Panama Canal was fairly young, um, almost 20 years old. So did a lot of traveling um, all over the place. And on December 7th, 1941, very famous date in our history, the USS Salt Lake City was only 200 nautical miles west of Pearl Harbor during the attack. And once the attack, once they were aware of the attack, they, the, the, the group that she was sailing with, they, they tried to launch um, aircraft to intercept, hopefully some of the Japanese um, fighters who were, who were on their way back. Unfortunately, they, they weren't able to, but they did cruise into the Harbor on the evening of December 8th. And I can only imagine the, the sights, um, when they, the, when they, when they sailed into the Harbor, what a, what a view they had it's smoke and just horror and terror. It must've been absolutely, um, a memory that you could never, never shake. So the USS Salt Lake also played host to um, the Doolittle Raid as an escort to TF-16, which for me, it's something I get excited about as I worked during my time in the, in, in the Air Force. I worked for the 12th Air Force. Um, it was actually uh, when I worked for um, Southern Command, 12th Air Forces. But 12th Air Force is famous for um, Jimmy Doolittle commanded the 12th Air Force in North Africa. And Jimmy Doolittle was responsible for the Doolittle raid uh, as well um, when our our first real um, efforts to take the fight to the Japanese mainland during World War II. So the USS Salt Lake was engaged in the Battle of Esperance to attack the Tokyo Express. Uh, I say that with my my best. I want to say Esperanza, but it's Esperance. Say, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's French. Anyways, they, uh, the, the, the effort was to attack the Tokyo Express at the Battle of uh, Komendorsky uh, Islands, where she took... Oh, that was... I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. So she was engaged in the Battle of Esperance to attack Tokyo Express and also the Battle of Komandorsky Islands, where she took two major hits, yet survived to limp home after turning the superior Japanese force away. Um, She saw numerous engagements aside from these, and her service uh, continued to span the Pacific all throughout the war. Fittingly, she was used to transport uh, veterans of the Pacific Theater home after the war. So she got to assist in bringing uh, the troops home once the war was over. Her ending um, was no less memorable than her service. On on 14 November 1946, she was selected to participate in Operation Crossroads. These were the uh, atomic trials uh, at Bikini Atoll. So she survived an aerial detonation of an atomic bomb, as well as a service detonation, and eventually was decommissioned and sunk in 1948 off the coast 
of Southern California. So pretty interesting history for the USS Salt Lake City. A total of 11 battle stars and even got to participate in the uh, atomic trials at Bikini Atoll. So quite a history. Uh, Of note, some of you who are football fans may appreciate um, her legacy was even um, honored at one of the University of Utah football games. So they paid tribute to the USS Salt Lake City in a game against Oregon. Um, they were they, donning gray uniforms with camel accents. And each player had one battle star on the right shoulder, making a total of 11 when the players took the field. And for those of you who don't remember, if you're a Utes fan, you should remember, they did win the game 38-7. to so it's pretty, pretty incredible history with um, the naval ships and its ties to not only Utah as a state, but some of the members or some of the people from Utah and some of the leaders of, of the church who, who served in the military. So I just found that very fascinating for, for myself. I, I really enjoy history. I really enjoy military history. And someone who's not coming from the Navy it was really, really exciting to learn about it and the ties that that they have. So there you go, a little bit of, of naval history. I really do hope I got most of it right. Um, again, if you're in the Navy and you want to reach out to me and set me straight, I would appreciate it because um, I have a lot to learn yet when it comes to that. So hope you enjoyed the short one uh, this week for the podcast again. If you got something interesting, you know somebody who would be good, reach out to us, lds.militarymembers at gmail.com, or you can jump on the group and send me a, a message through the group. I really hope um, you guys go back and listen to season one. And the first couple episodes of this season, it's been re- really a lot of fun. And until next time, like always, um, thank you for your service and be safe. That's it for this episode. Thank you all for joining us. And if you want to come on the show or know someone you would like to hear from, please shoot us an email at lds.militarymembers at gmail.com. So until next time, stay safe and thank you for your service.